When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Herd at Sports Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. All right, welcome back. Coffee and Cream alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Happy to have you with us. Happy to be joined by Brian Christofferson now on the show here on Herdat Sports Radio. We're live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. We're getting to that point, huh? It's about to be changeover time. Herdat Sports. We are having a good I time. I heard that. Yeah, you heard that? You know how many people were saying that at the golf thing? Really? Like, oh my goodness! It was hysterical. I just like hysterical. to hear what I'm hysterical. Oh, I heard that. Everybody's like, "Ah, oh, you guys are everywhere." Oh, so Luke, Luke Kluver, yeah, a um, hey, low key funny dude, isn't so he? So funny. We were yeah. hanging out with him uh, after oh, Saturday's rounds before oh, the concerts. A regular dude. And we were around him and a few of his buddies, and we went up in that little truck, like the truck that travels. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the whole time he's like, "Oh, I heard that. <laughs> I heard that." He's, he, he's <laughs> Luke Kluver. The guy. He's a funny dude. Look at BC. Can you see him on the stream right now? Wow. You're growing something out there, BC. I'm I'm looking <laughs> at it. There's a little shadow yeah. there. How yeah. you doing? Yeah, I got a seventh grade, uh, some seventh grade facial. Here <laughs> I kind of like that though, B. I mean, not. I, I mean, I like it. It looks legit. I'm kind of mm. jealous. Maybe I should bring mine yeah. back. You well, like- I need to work on it another week or two, and it'll uh, be something respectable, maybe. Uh-huh. Be sizzle more nervous energy for your Vikings or for Nebraska? Mm. Oh, um, I mean, I try to separate. Uh, uh, this is how I try to do it. Um, when I got into journalism, the team I cover, I just try to separate all that stuff and just cover them down the line. And so it's probably got to be the Vikings is the answer. But if, uh, if I looked at them the same way, uh, the, the proper answer would be Nebraska because I just don't know what the heck's going to happen uh, on August 31st. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It could be really good. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, you get ideas here and there about how something may go. But um, it's always tough when you're going into an opener to figure out exactly what a team is made of. And then you compound that with uh, all the new stuff and it's entirely new defensive scheme and all the working parts at quarterback that are trying to come to or offense that are trying to come together, including quarterback. And uh, boy, it's a, it's a mystery, but kind of a fun one. Hey, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask a quick follow-up, my bad. So BC, if, if you grew up a fan, which I think you did. I did. Yes. How difficult was the transition? Cause you've been doing this a long time, right? So, but you are like, if I had to put you in like journalist categories, you're not one of those guys that has ever been overly critical, but you can still be very objective. Is that the fan part in you? Um, it's a tough balance, that, right? Like I have to, no, I have to manage that. I think some of that, Damon. I, 
I do think it's different covering a college team as opposed to a pro team. I, I still do. And I know okay. some people don't, the, the lines are blurred <laughs> about what's what nowadays. Um, but I've always felt, um, you know, when you're covering guys who are still going to school, 18 to 23 year olds, there's, there's sort of a, there's a boundaries of what's in good taste when you're covering them as far as even if they're struggling as a team and all that stuff. So I, I think you, you hold to that. Um, but yeah, I did. I mean, I'm not going to make up my past. I grew up in Omaha. I watched those nineties teams and you know, I, I, you asked me in Nebraska, Oklahoma score from, you know, 1988, I'm going to remember it was seven to three in the rain, you know, and there's a Charles Thompson game and all that <laughs> stuff. So I, I, I have all that stuff in my brain instead of stuff that I probably should have. That's more important um, from those uh, first 20 years of my life. But yeah, when I did get into college, uh, you were kind of taught back then, like there's no table pounding, there's none of that stuff. And so you, there's a sort, you know, you're, you're sort of a walk in that line, but you also know who you cover and you know that there's been a drought here and people would go nuts if this thing got fixed. Um, and it would be a lot of excite, uh, excitement to me to be writing about a team that's playing in big-time games again. There's you, no doubt about that. You know, early on, that's why I never used my press box seat. Because I'm, I'm going to pound the table. Uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, you played there, man. I've, I've, been, I've been notorious for punching uh, windows. Like, I, I had to really learn over the last 10, 11 years to chill. <laughs> when when I'm in public watching games with my peers, you I think know what that I mean? comes with age and maturity. Ah, uh, well, he got BC's younger than me. He was he got more professional than I did. Yeah, faster. but BC doesn't seem like somebody that punched a lot of windows in his day. <laughs> BC's the guy oh, that goes to the doctor. You don't know me. He's like BC's like ni- ninety one <laughs> over you know fifty nine. BC's like me. We're the guys that got punched. <laughs> I was probably a little kid yelling at Damon sometimes, but Damon, Damon's like five years older or so than me, and I, there's probably some game where Damon had me upset as like a 14-year-old or something he did. I do remember. Take care of the ball, Benny. Damn. He's walking down a gravel road kicking rocks after the game. I remember specific uh, plays, though, Damon had that were really good. I remember at Texas Tech, you guys were scuffling in 96, Oh, and Lubbock? Yeah, we played yeah. like trash. Yeah, you kept fumbling the ball. Not you. <laughs> the team did. And, and Damon, uh, Damon had a sweet, sweet would be a word you would use then, too. Uh, punt return. It juked a guy. Mark Jones was the announcer, I remember, and he was he was really getting into it. You got it down inside the five. Then on the next play, I think you scored, and the pitch was kind of bad. You fumbled it. You picked it up and ran it in. Hey, so yeah, oh, that's one hundred percent accurate. You know the funny (laughs) thing about that punt return is I could hear no, no, no from the sidelines. Oh really? Oh, listen, like they were telling you you to fair catch or just let it go. Listen, it was a low liner going into our bench, but I hadn't touched the ball in like a quarter, and I was like, no way, man. Like I'm. I'm, I'm getting this bad boy. No, 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 no to you. I should have got smoked, but that guy, that first guy missed, and it was almost all she wrote. I remember, I remember that we played how, so poorly there. How often does that happen? Where if you were a guy who you maybe didn't touch the ball for a quarter or so, and there's that one moment where you maybe try to extend to something you wouldn't normally do. Or, that, or, that's got to happen a lot. BC, yeah. I'm, I'm inherently selfish. We were getting our tail kicked by Gross in high school. Joe Rosge and Chad Myers were putting it on us. And uh, it's about 12 degrees, man. The only reason I have a 99-and-a-half-yard punt return is because my dumb butt went and got that thing inside <laughs> the 10 to return it. Like, 
I'm like, oh, no, we're not about to get goose egg by these guys, <laughs> right? Like, right. that's the only reason I fielded it is because I was selfish. Oh, well, that, 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 that's a good story now, though. You know who was a dude in that game? Oh, and then we can move on. Terrell Farley. <laughs> yeah. picked a, scored on the first play, and then I remember at the end, the defense had a stop. I was watching it recently, and he, he just cleaned up on some back, and that was it. He, he could ball, man. Terrell Farley was, is, is a prime example of all the, you know, playing a scheme to get young guys on the field and guys that are good at a specific thing, like scheme around that, because that's kind of been this theme of the camp as coaches are right. like – Farley's yeah. a pri- is a is a perfect segue to talk about. He that's a prime example of how to play to a guy's strengths, and get him on the field, even though he may not be ready for all the complexities of a total defense. Yeah, and um, might be both your Saturday. guys, Ethan Nation. Mm. <laughs> well, you guys, yeah, love, yeah, both he, you two love him. Yeah, I'm a big I do fan. Love Ethan Nation. Yeah, Ethan Nation. I thought had the resume, and if you if you look closely at what he did in high school, just a high producing player so it doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. that he's he's getting some stuff done he could he could uh, you know he'll bulk up a little bit more but i was watching him even in the return game and you know how some guys now they, they're not getting hit yet when we were watching but some of the guys just have a knack even as a punt returner we're like oh that guy was born to do that he's been doing that since he was four or five years old you can tell and that that looks like ethan nation back there well he was the guy that you know played with his boys in the backyard and he was never the biggest so he had mm-hmm. to be the best. Like that—that's yeah. what he thought of himself. That—that's what I gauge from Ethan Nation. That's why I like the uh, the young buck. Now, BC, you know the the nervous energy question that DB threw your way initially yeah. was it came on the heels of uh, an initial question I asked, like, is it okay for me to be feeling uncomfortable or a little queasy at this point in the season? And I want to ask you, being a lifelong fan, am I right on time? Am I before, or am I, you know? behind the feeling of the rest of the fan base feeling maybe a little nervous energy as the football calendar uh, gets closer to that 831 date? No, this is nervous energy time. This is a time where you go outside if you're by a school and you hear those drum beats, you know, there's a pregame show being worked on. The band was in there the other day doing Mr. Touchdown while they're practicing, and you're like, okay, you can feel it like it's a a real thing i i always think in lincoln you can feel like walking into the grocery store when it gets to like mid-august i mean there's just like a little something extra the stands have been changed as the go big red sign is all throughout the you know high v or wherever you You can buy the flags now and the little knockoff t-shirts but you you just kind of sense it with everybody there's a few more people with red t-shirts on even on like a tuesday or whatever and um all that is is real and it's especially so when you know it's this is a fan base i'll always give it a lot of credit no matter what guff they take from the outside they they stick by their squad or their program more than anybody else would they've done it with men's basketball um and they they definitely have done it with football just trying to will them to get over the hump and so i think there is deserved cautious optimism because they've read and studied you know this new staff and they're like you know what they seem like they got a plan they did they at least feel like they've got everything sort of lined up about how they want to operate and uh they're really trying to instill um a certain you know mo within their team and i think another thing people pointed out to me that they like is that it feels like a lot of the stuff that's coming from the top top down is being repeated like there's a one 
sort of one message from everybody that you're getting now as you get closer to the game where you can tell stuff is really seeping into guys' brains and, like, this is how we're, we're going to do things around here. And I think people are encouraged by that, uh, but yet also nervous because you just never know that first few weeks, like, what it's going to look like at all. So, B- BC, are, are you picking up on a little bit of the uh... – he called it nervous energy. How about just like the, um, the 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 barometer, right? So now I feel like it's peaking back a little towards the down arrow, and nothing's really happened. I mean, I get the bets thing, right? And I'm not calling that nothing. But for the most part, I hear a lot of people say, well, that didn't really change my outlook. But it seems like <laughs> we're not as – Oh, sales are full as we were a week ago. Does that tenor come from the reality of what the coaches are saying? Or do you think this is just norm for this juncture of a long fall camp? I, I think it's pretty normal for camp because there's a, it does, there's ebbs and flows to it. There always are. There's that part early on when everybody's just so excited that it's back again the first week or so. And, and there's just a lot of like optimism from everything that's said. And then you'll hear a report or two like, well, so-and-so didn't look too hot in this practice or this part was <laughs> off. And, you know, and I think because for fair reason, everybody's seen the last six years around here, people sort of tend to drift toward the, the worst part of the equation in like how it could go. Um, whereas in the past, you know, maybe you go back 25 years or so, that would have been the other way. It would have been like, oh, they'll figure it out, you know, or that they always do. And now the benefit of the doubt is lost. But I, um, so I think Saturday was probably to what you're saying, Damon, maybe a tipping point there because that was the day the bets information was, uh, given to the public. Mm-hmm. And that's also the day that rule was, was pretty candid about just the procedural stuff on offense. And I thought it was interesting the other day, he kind of wanted to clear that up a little bit and say, you know what, there was some good football in there with the offense. It was just, we've focused so much on the station to station stuff and the drills and stuff that some of the in between of just like getting the plays in and stuff like that was a little slower than we wanted. Um, but he, he reminded his players and he was telling this, I think to the fan base and media as well, uh, you guys are where you're supposed to be right now. And I think that's sometimes a good message yeah. probably for a coach to get across to his team. If there's a little negative energy in the air because of this thing or that thing, it's like, no, this is where it's supposed to be right now on this date in August. It always is. Let's, let's just keep moving and we'll be fine. Where do you guys come out on being matter of fact versus coach speak? Cause Coach Rule is extremely matter-of-fact, right? It just – it is what it is. doesn't hide any details. But I, I pit that against Coach Satterfield, and I kind of feel the same thing. He's, he's just telling you it is what it is when he's talking about the offense. But I think he kind of gets the coach speak label. How do you discern, BC? Do you try to get inside their personalities, or do you take the words for what they are? Um. Well, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know. Rules just got a way of he's just I don't mean I mean this in a very positive way. He's got a gift for gab. He just does. He's like he's he's like a storyteller, like, right? Yeah, you can ask anything about you know like you could ask him the same question you're asking me or, or ten other people, and he'd give a far more interesting answer than <laughs> everybody. He just would. He just he just, he. And that's that's not sucking up. That's just the truth of the matter. Like you listen to him talk, he's just really good as a communicator. And 
I, but I do think there's a purpose to what, you know, everything he says, he, he wants to get out there in a certain way. And I think, you know, I thought a big deal yesterday guys was uh, the talk about the freshman wide receivers, mm-hmm. you know, when he said, they don't necessarily have to play right. right away. And I'd kind of been building that up a little, I admit through some stuff I'd picked up on, like they're thinking like they got to get a couple guys out there and all this stuff. Who's it going to be Doss Coleman, you know, all this stuff. And I think that was one. It's true because he, he laid out what's exactly the fact of the matter is that this is going to be a big boy football game on August 31st against. I, I love, I love that line. You said yeah, grown man, big boy, whatever he said. Yeah, yeah, grown man. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're walking into a game against a Big Ten team that's going to want to slug it out for, oh, let's go old school, 15 rounds with you. And um, if you really step back and think of it, it's not the game that's probably meant for a lot of 18 year old freshmen. There's probably going to be maybe you know two or three that that get out there, but for the most part, this is a game you need decided by your guys who have been in the battles for a bit. So there's a few parts to that. It's a challenge to your older guys like, hey, embrace this. You got to be the guys, you, you know, IGC, Fleeks, you know, uh, guys like that who have been in this program. Step up and, you know, you got to give something. And it also takes a little off the shoulders of those young guys. Like, don't stress out these next two weeks that you have to be this for us right now. Just keep going and you're going to get to the point we want you to be. You just got to keep trusting the, in their process. BC, this may be the same answer or it could be different, but you know, on as you talk about the young guys and if there was somebody to step up this year, who would you want it to be and who do you think it will be? You know, if as we go throughout the season, and that's how coach Rule was kind of saying it, like, you know, let let's see what what it looks like 6 weeks in, 7 weeks in and then maybe a freshman will emerge. Who would you want it to be and who do you think it will be? Any side of the ball, or are we talking receivers? Receivers. I'm sorry. I, I no, that's fine. I would say. I don't have honestly. I don't have someone I want it to be. I just don't. I, like, well, because the fans. I mean, at least majority of of the fan base. At least what I've seen engaged. It's Malachi Coleman. They want it to be Malachi Coleman. But I don't know if that's like who you think it will be. It. I think he has a shot. I and, and uh, you you gave the right answer. That's who people want it to be because he's he's the local guy, and they they've just heard more about him for a long time. And so there's there's something attached to that. And um, I thought that's why that comment by Rule yesterday was so good. It's like if Malachi's not out there against Minnesota or Colorado, and I'm not saying he won't be, but if he's not, we don't have to freak out about this. This is a first year freshman, you know, trying to play a position that not a lot of you know, only a few guys get on the field real fast. My answer would be Doss, I think, could be – I've always kind of You've been consistent. Me, you, we're on mm-hmm. the same page here. And I don't – my reasoning is that if you look at his track record, he played at a pretty good program, and he was always – he's been one of those guys sort of always on the fast track as a football player. You know, some guys just even in high school at that level, the, as freshmen, sophomores, they're in big games. They're used to it. And Doss has done some of that. And I just like you talk about a positionless offense. Um, he's a positionless player. He was all throughout um, high school. The Debo Samuel thing would get thrown his way, sort of just as a vague comparison. And so, because of that, um, I would think he's a guy where you could find certain niches that really fit him. But Jalen Lloyd pops up here and there too. And no with question. Speed like he, with speed like he has, man, you can't. You can't discount a guy like that. Even I've always said, if a guy like Jalen Lloyd or somebody popped up this season and had 
five or six catches, let's say, all season, but like two were 40-yard plays where he burnt somebody or something. There was something he just did really well. I'm not, you know, if, if something like that happens, that he'll be a story still. You can be a story for a team or a sidebar in a season even if you don't have 35 catches. You can be that guy who makes that big play on a September game and we're talking about you and it's building confidence. And uh, if some of those guys have that happen this year, that would be a really good thing. I'm so happy uh, listening to – well, this, that sounded weird. I, I, I enjoy kind of the philosophy, BC, because I'm one of those guys – remember like four, three or four or five years ago I had this stupid analogy about groceries, right, where if you're Nebraska and you want to win – in, you need to be playing redshirt sophomores and juniors, maybe some seniors, right? That needs to be your protein. And you supplement it or your side is the occasional young player, the freshman. For this weird stretch, we got hung up on early contributors, and that was kind of our barometer. And I'm thinking that should never be Nebraska's blueprint if they want to win in this conference. How much of the fact that we're having these conversations and you can be okay with Coach Rule saying, well, they don't, they don't have to, we don't need them to play. This is, this is big boy football. How much of that do you think has to do with the fact he's outwardly calling Nebraska a developmental program, right? So yeah, do, do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. does that go hand in hand for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what he's doing. He, it, I think that where – maybe if it got off a little bit this off season, it's because we are adjusting to a new staff. And I do think there has been a willingness in their past to let guys who, who've really earned it, um, you know, get their, their crack at it, even if they're first year freshmen. And the fact that we had like Prince will and Cam Lenhart out there, you know, and kind of a prominent role, even in the spring game, I think kind of got the juices flown a little bit with like, okay, that's we're going to see some stuff we haven't around here with, with young guys. And, um, I still think there's going to be those opportunities for them, but the rule was really making a point in two or three different spaces yesterday about this is the long season. I'm worried about not just like, you know, this isn't all about the Minnesota game or the Colorado game. This, this is building toward the long haul and using your entire roster. And uh, that four game red shirt rule with the fifth, with the bowl game is a big deal to them. This is something that you can also use strategically to develop guys and, you can push your freshmen who maybe they aren't ready on 831, but you can say, look, you've got a chance to get on the field later in this year and play up the four or five games and still redshirt. You know, that that's a nice carrot that um, should be dangled out in front of young players to keep them going. And I, I, I'm sure it was in the past, but I don't know if it was enough. And maybe, maybe some of that will come into this too, where it kind of keeps those first year guys pretty motivated that they could pop in later. BC, quickly here before we let you go, two guys that were kind of put on the back burner after spring, or at least one, was Heinrich Harburg, and then, you know, Chubba Purdy is another name that oh, has yeah. started to come up now, two guys that are becoming vocal leaders. You know, all we ever heard, though, was the likes of Jeff Sims, but now that these two names have reemerged, if an injury were to pop up at some point to Nebraska's projected starting quarterback, who makes you feel more comfortable to take over at this point if there was an injury today? Someone who hasn't seen it any of the practices in any length i it's hard to say but i i feel like through the interviews chubba purdy right now has the arrow pointing up a bit um now 
I don't know. That might have just made means that he's made it a dead heat or something like that. But it definitely feels like there's some steam behind his name as you talk about that backup conversation. And um, the thing they kept saying about him is in the spring, maybe in new staff, he's really trying to wow everybody and you, you force it a little bit. And he's just kind of calmed down with his play. And uh, I know people are skeptical of him, but uh, it's a new start for him, too. And you got to sometimes have new eyes the way you look at a player. And, um, you know, right now, I think he's got a shot to be number two. And, you know, four, three months ago, we weren't saying that. So that's a credit to him for sticking around and fighting. BC, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. We will talk again next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's Brian Christofferson at Husker 24-7 BC. He's the senior writer at Husker 24-7. All right, when we come back, we'll take a short break. We'll bounce back into Omaha, talk to the sports director over at KETV. That's Andy Kendi. He's up next on Coffee and Cream.